everybody welcome to another week of the soccer thread podcast i'm dan schrader i'm in portland oregon uh i think the same time we were recording last week not quite as nice a sunset out my western facing window this week uh still not a bad day though so you know what here we are let's podcast uh colin smith in the swamp oh it's a great time in the swamp this is i mean i i know you're complaining about the lack of sunset or or whatever but the end of the day on mother's day when you've gotten through the day you've sent whatever you need to send to all the mothers in your life and you know you're you're not getting in trouble for forgetting mother's day this year uh, it's a good feeling. You made it. You you're made over it. the hurdle. Yeah, you're, we're, we're home free now. We're recording now. At, I mean, at my time, it's, it's 10 p.m. My wife is asleep. Uh, I made it through. So I'm, I'm very happy. Very happy. Pep, Pep Guardiola level, level happy. Excellent work. Happy Mother's Day to all of the mothers that are listening. I know there's at least one. Mom, happy Mother's Day. Uh, you might be the only, the yeah, only one out there listening. <laughs> so this one's for you. Uh, Keevan, how's it going? Milwaukee. You guys thought you could get rid of me. You only let to listen to Keevan like once every few few months. Now you're getting him back to back. So I apologize to all the listeners. Love it. No, no. Schedules are getting complicated. Just, yeah, you know? it's a uh, fixture congestion. You know, you, sometimes you, you see a little bit more of uh, James Milner than you thought you'd see. <laughs> <laughs> That's a compliment, Kevin. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty that. stoked. Wow, jeez. Uh, uh, do you ever watch games and like think to yourself, if I was just the best version of myself, that is the player I would be? Like, I'm not asking to actually be percentiles faster amongst the players that are playing in this game than I actually am when I do play, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, I know I'm mean. not going to be the fastest guy on the field. I'm not going to be the guy that wins all the headers because I'm bad in the air. But like, if I just maximized relatively what I was, like, that would be my game. Like, I was thinking that. Yeah, if, if like, it's like uh, if you got Monstars level talent from somebody, like you just got a talent upgrade, all of your, all of your stats boosted equally, like where would you end up? Who would you be? Yeah. And you're, exactly. saying you'd be, you're saying you'd be James Milner? No, I'm not saying that. I was wondering if Keevan feels like that was fair for Keevan. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. I think that's good. I mean, he's, he, Milner's kind of like a, a little of everything and just works really hard. That, that is his brand, 100%. Yeah, I'll yeah, take I that. I like that. Dan, who are you? So today I was wishing that it was Eric Williamson because he's like, not that quick, but he's got, like, he picks spaces to burst into. This is, a, like, a young Timbers uh, midfielder who should have gone to the Olympic qualifying but got dropped. So it's, like, this big joke amongst Timbers fans that, I mean, just terrible stuff out of the U.S. Uh, soccer for dropping him. But was watching him play today. And he was just, like, silky turning guys. And it's not, like, fast. It's nothing that's, like, tricky exactly. He's just got this, like, smoothness to him. And I don't think that's me at all, but, like, in my mind... Because it's like, it's, it's not fast. It's not like tricks. It's just like, oh, I just love it. And I was like, maybe, maybe if I, if I could just figure out like that little hip shift, right? Like that puts the guy going the wrong way. And then you can turn like, I could figure that out. Couldn't I? 
also, this guy is like half my age, so with, with it's not like I'm going to grow into with it. Monstar's talent, you could do it. I could do it. I think so. Yeah. I'm, def- I'm, I'm definitely Seamus Coleman. Uh, that's <laughs> watching Seamus. He's a right back for Everton. I mean, first of all, that's extremely on brand. Um, but he's also not tricky. Uh, effort, lots of running. Uh, you know, athleticism. No left foot. Uh, you know, even if you give me Monstar's left foot on my left foot, I still have no left foot. You can't, you have zero multiplied by whatever. It's still zero. Um, and uh, to this week, we're not, we're, I'm sure we won't talk about the Everton West Ham game except for this, but he, he has a, a reputation among Everton fans uh, as the one player on our team who will like scream at other, at other uh, at opponents when opponents dive. And so this week, uh, somebody he was marking, like he, you know, reached over and just like touched them with his hand, and they were chasing a ball that they knew was going to go out of bounds, and so they fell to try to get get the call, get the yeah. call instead of have it be a throw-in, and he just absolutely just lit into them, like just lost his mind, and uh, Everton like Everton Twitter and whatever Everton social media just loves that, just eats that shit up. And, uh, you know, if you monsters out my already uh, pathological competitiveness, yeah, I'd be, that's where, that's where Seamus Coleman lives. Yeah, but that, that's, like, out of, I feel like that's just out of, like, sheer competitiveness. Like, he just wants, like, the game, like, he wants the game to be played right. And, like, if, if you're an opponent trying to, to trick your way through something or, like, a game, yeah. like, play soccer not the right way, he's just. Beat me on a level, yeah. play, a level playing field. Yeah. Don't cheat me. Exactly. But it's yeah. like out of he's competitiveness, like, which is like what Colin yeah, is. So right. I think that's right. And he's just like, I feel like he's just like personally offended, you know? He's just yeah. like, how could you even do that? Why um, am I out here playing if you're not even going to like live up to your end of the bargain? Yeah. Which makes me wonder how often him and Richarlison get into it in practice. But <laughs> oh, God. that's, a, that's a story for another day. Yeah. Every day. Um. That wasn't a planned warm-up. I don't have any other warm-up, uh, but that was pretty good. Pretty good for, as a substitute warm-up. I like it. Uh, we got emails. Uh, we are, I think, going to do the, the triple bomb of Pedro, Pedro no text to emails again, uh, but we're going to save them. We're going to loop back, as promised, to the Kievan email from last week. Um, we don't have Mike here. Colin, you're usually the backup email guy. Sorry for oh, stepping shit. on this. Uh, yeah, sure. Emails. Uh, the first one is from Kevin Sperry. Don't know this guy. Uh, he says, who's a better coach? Um, he's, he's, we happen to know from context and from maybe personal communications uh, that he's talking about Greg Berhalter versus Jesse Marsh. And the context here is that Jesse Marsh, um, who had been the coach at uh, – I'll, I'll do his whole career for you. He was the coach at uh, Montreal Impact. Then he was an assistant coach at Princeton for two years because he didn't do great at Montreal Impact. He was only there for a year. Then he was uh, managed uh, Red Bull New York. Don't know how he got that job, but great job. Great interview. Huge, great interview. Mourinho-level interview. Uh, then he did great success at Red Bull New York. Came into a really hard uh, whatever situation there. Pet Key was the coach before him, the manager before him, and had a lot of success and was a fan favorite. And people were pissed that he left or that he got fired. Um, but Jesse Marsh was great at Red Bull New York, moved to Red, or, uh, Red Bull Salzburg, pretty good there. Now takes the job at Red Bull Leipzig because, what's his name, Julian Nagelsmann um, is the mm-hmm. coach manager of 
Red Bull Leipzig, who is now at going to Bayern next year. Um, so Keevan wants to know, is that guy, Jesse Marsh, better than Greg Burhalter, our who we all know and I'm not going to say love, as uh, manager of the U.S. Men's National Team? Dan, what do you think? Who's better? I mean, I think Jesse Marsh is. He's proven himself at every step. I'm maybe not in, in the Montreal Impact, I guess, but like started back at the bottom, uh, worked his way up, seems to fit. I mean, Colin, you, you love the square peg, square hole, right? When you're talking about players, specifically, uh, I think, Salah all last year. This I, just all we talk about. I just love pegs. I just love pegs. But also pegs are amazing. Um, maybe Jesse Marsh is just square peg, square hole in the Red Bull system. But that's not his fault. Like, he's doing it. He's now at a legitimate Champions League team uh, that's most recently been used as a stepping stone to the Bayern Munich job, which is amazing. Like, you know, in a sense, you say he's one step away from a super club. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. He's doing great. This is amazing. Uh, Greg Berhalter, on the other hand, uh, assistant manager at Los Angeles Galaxy, somehow moved to Hammerby IF in Sweden. Uh, managed 46 games there, only won a little less than 40% of them. Then went to Columbus Crew, managed for a long time. You know, like, that team had an identity, but they were never the best. Um, and then gets the United States job. Like, I'm not sure what Berhalter does besides, like, manage a team, right? Like, what's he bringing? If, if it's plus 5% or minus... Uh, 30%, whatever the Trapatoni quote is. I mean, he's right. I think he's at median. Like, okay, he's not bad. He seems fine. He's managing a team, but I'm not sure what he's adding to any step that he's taken. So I'm taking Jesse Marsh. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's probably the consensus opinion right now. Um, maybe before Jesse Marsh went to uh, Salzburg and had success there, this would have been a little bit more controversial, but I think at this point, um, everyone at least has higher hopes for Jesse Marsh at Leipzig. You know, yet to see how he how he fits at a bigger club. Um, but I would say the square peg, square hole thing. Um, yeah, maybe he has an easier path to getting to Leipzig because he stayed in the system. But managing at at New, uh, New York Red Bull, where he didn't necessarily have better talent than a lot of teams in the league and had success versus managing at Red Bull Salzburg, where he definitely did have better talent. And he was, you know, his teams were expected to attack, 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 and, like, take the game to people every every week and blood the young players through and all that other stuff that they do. Um, it's, like, two diff- very different um, situations to be dropped in. And he succeeded in both. So I think that's a really good um, check in his column, whereas um, maybe Greg, we've only really seen him check the column for, like, yes, he's a very good MLS coach. Okay. Uh, Keevan's next question, which I'm just going to give to him, is who do you prefer as the U.S. Men's National Team manager? Do you wish Jesse was was taking Greg's job right now? I I I wish that would happen. Uh, I can see why it didn't, just because the timing of the hiring, um, I think even just the state of the national team uh, when Berhalter was eventually hired, whatever, however long that process took, which... Uh, you guys have touched on and a lot of people have touched on it was probably mishandled um, so I think they kind of were like stuck in that route of we need to get someone that people are comfortable with and maybe isn't like a 
flashy hire, but just, you know, we'll get the program kind of back on the right track or not even the right track, but like on a track. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that's fair, right? Like if my comment is that he just kind of seems to manage whatever program he's managing and maybe that's what they needed. Like, yeah. That's fair. I think yeah. that's a good point. Yeah. Where yeah. like Mar- Jesse Marsh is like, I think, especially with the whole Red Bull, like you said, Colin, he, the Red Bull New York was a tough situation. Red Bull Salzburg, I think even he does have talent, but at even there, it's like, this is a development team. So we're going to give you a bunch of young guys. They're, they could be worth a lot of money. I mean, he started with Halan there, who was, and no, I think Halan has been on record like that Jesse Marsh has helped with his development and things along those lines. And I think there's another forward they have now who's they're about to sell for a billion dollars or whatever it is. But uh, he's just in that. That's World like, record transfer. Yeah, that's, that's big hyper- time. That's hyperbole. <laughs> but he is just, <laughs> I think this, the, like, and it'll be interesting to see what he does at Leipzig uh, in that, yeah, he won't have nearly the, the like talent level that uh, Salzburg is above the rest of the Austrian league. So, I mean, he do, he obviously has talent, but and they're still have to compete with the Bayern Munichs and, and Dortmunds of the, of the league. But, um, yeah, if, if you had to, if I, like, you had to tell me which one did I I want managing the national team right now I think it, it's Marsh but I guess I'm not I'm not mad that Berhalter is is the manager yeah. so I mean I have to say if, if you give me these two like kind of uh, uh, archetypes or like t- styles of, of, of human beings of managers like Greg like you're Dan's calling him like kind of just vanilla just like you know does what's expected kind of guy and then the other is is more of like a system builder, creative, can work in different situations, blah, blah, blah. It, you know, it does seem to me, and like developed players, right? You're talking about Erling Holland. Um, that Jesse Marsh, the, the guy who can do systems and, and kind of uh, be a little bit more creative tactically, like that's a club team job. Like you can't be that creative with your tactics. Or it's very hard to be that creative with your tactics as a national team manager because you only see the guys X amount of die you know, games per year, practice minutes per yeah, year. Windows, yeah. or whatever you, you want to call but it. The f- few windows, I mean, right? the funny part is that Burhalter has tried to do that, at least early on with the national That's team, true. right? He had this kind of, like, specific way he tried to impose, and he's come off that a little bit, which yeah. I think Smart. shows uh, some willingness from him to accept the realities of the position that he's in, which is good. I like that, right? Um, I actually would not want Jesse Marsh to be the U.S. men's national team coach right now, because I want to see what he can go do in Europe. I think if he comes and coaches, or if he was managing the U.S. national team right now, that would interrupt his progress. It would put a cap on his, uh, you know, ceiling. I don't, I don't want him right now with the U.S. men's national team. I don't even want him for this World Cup. I don't think I want him for next World Cup. Like, maybe this goes to the next part of Kevin's question, but if he can work his way up to a super club, he can always come back and manage the U.S. men's national team. Like, I'm not worried yeah, about that. Yeah, that's true. He, he can I mean, do that. He can do that now. Like, just having gone to Red Bull Leipzig, like, no matter what happens next, when Greg leaves, he's going to be the first guy who gets interviewed. Whether he wants I mean, to be it, interviewed or not, they're going to call him and say, hey, do you want the job, right? He's, he's, he's he absolutely as, has the best resume now of any American manager. When we think about players, right, do we want them to play 90 minutes every week in the MLS or do we want in MLS, not the, sorry, all of you people that hate that, um, 
Or do we want them to go fight in Europe and see what they can develop and try to make it? Like, it's the same thing for Jesse Marsh right now for me. It's like, stay in Europe, go over there. You're doing great. The trajectory is as good as you can hope. Like, do not come back home right now. Don't, don't do it. Stay over there. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'll get to the last one of Keevan's question. We've spent a lot of time on these guys who, quite frankly, not even we're not even playing yes, Miss National Team games right now. Uh, we have some coming up. That's true. Fair, fair, fair. Which is a higher honor? Uh, big club, I'll just say Leipzig in this case, not Super Club, or na- your own national team. Like, if you, you know, what's the centerpiece of, of these guys' careers? Keeve? I think if you asked me this question 10 years ago, I'd go national team, but now just with how much money has been flooded and uh, coaching, like, uh, top of the line talent. I think you got to go club at this point. And just the yeah, grind, even like good. you like uh, fixture congestion, like that is a whole new world of that a yeah. national team doesn't. I mean, it's um, you got to you got to really have some skills to coach for over a span of however long the, uh, a season is, or where you can just ca- ca- catch a hot streak in a tournament, and then that and then you're. I guess you, you're considered a good coach, but I think it just takes a little bit more to, at a club. So I think that's a little bit more. Uh... I agree. I mean, I think there are a few jobs that uh, national team jobs that are more prestigious than, than a lot of club jobs, right? Like um, managing Italy, managing Brazil, um, well, I mean, Flick, managing Argentina. Flick left Bayern for the German national team. So I mean, yeah, I think German that's, national that's team. One absolutely. Too, so. Yeah. Especially because they seem to have, a, I mean, a lot more, um, uh, leash there, right. They're not changing managers all the time. You're going to have, Stability, you're going to have a nice certainly. era. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I think though, those are some jobs that certainly uh, are higher, but generally speaking, I completely agree with you. All right. Yeah, I think so. The other way I look at that is just like the number of people that you could imagine getting any of those jobs and Leipzig, if that opened up, you'd be like, maybe there are 10 coaches in the world that they're going to look, go look at. Uh, and the U S men's national team job, they could pick Burholter, right? <laughs> like the list is not 10, the list is hundreds. So, yeah, I mean, uh, it's like the, the Leipzig job you'd think is, uh, to me, uh, as an Everton supporter, Leipzig is like a team that's like in our neighborhood of how big they are. Um, probably have more success on the field and less financial success, but right. Yeah. So like, in the neighborhood of, of Everton, Carlo Ancelotti man, manages Everton. He is not going to go manage the United States, right? Like, yeah, exactly. There yeah, is exactly. no way, right? So there you go. Um, all right. Uh, the Revs fan one wrote us an email. Uh, it's a long email. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it gives us this, in, this great quote from Jim Curtin, uh, manager of the Philadelphia Union, which you know, I love this. I'm so glad that this is in an email so we get to talk about it. Uh, he talks about Gabriel Heinze, who's the manager of Atlanta, after uh, Philly beat Atlanta in the second leg in CONCACAF Champions League, whatever that was, quarters. Um, and he says he's an incredible coach. He's an incredible player. Heinze had a great career for uh, Argentina, national team even. Um, but you can still also be a sore loser and be an asshole at the end of the game. Which uh, just love, just and, and then the rest of this email is uh, is the Revs fan talking to us about you know. Uh, well, also then, uh, Curtin says I'm not gonna just sit here and take it anymore. 
I like that. So I think he was very pissed, right? Very pissed. But I'm curious. So the undertone, and maybe he said this like outside of the quote that's here exactly, but like this is an international guy who's a big name on the international stage. Yeah. And he seems to assume that this relative no-name American coach doesn't deserve any respect when the the team of the no-name American coach beats the team that's better financed of the big international name. Quite handily, 4-1 over two legs. And so, you know, Curtin's like, I'm not going to sit here and take it anymore. I kind of like... I love it. There are American coaches that are good. Sorry if you played for Manchester United... I my team just beat your team, pal. Like, yeah, it's, I like this a lot. I don't love. He also says, "I think we should shake ha- hands like men at the end of the game. We don't need the like, uh, you know, whatever holier than thou or whatever." The, yeah, and like the the valor and normalism of like being manly, and you know, it's not like look. If he's an asshole, he's an asshole. And if you're an American coach and you think you deserve more credit, that's great. But we, like, should like shake, not, we should shake hands like non-assholes at the end of the game. That's right. Like competitors, <laughs> like whatever. But like, yeah. So I don't love everything about this quote. But in general, and he was hot. Like, Yeah, come on. You know, so fair enough. But uh, this is, yeah. Way to go, Curtin. I love this. Yeah, we love this. this is, he, the only thing Jim Curtin could have done better here is uh, punted a soccer ball into Atlanta United's dressing room. I think that would have been pretty sweet. But, I mean, uh, yeah. And the thing that Heinz is mad about is uh, Philadelphia, like, time-wasting and stuff like this. Absolutely standard fare, like, soccer. Like, Although the, yeah. the actual incident that he was probably most upset about was standard fare, especially in a knockout game, whatever. But it was, it was ridiculous to the level that you have to laugh, right? Like, yeah, this is yeah. the game. This is part of the game. Heinz should know this more than anybody else. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not like a part of the game that we all love and want to preserve necessarily. Like, it would be better if we could somehow, you know, like like, like the thing of, I, I think that gets rid of it, a lot of this is miking up the refs and then like kind of making all of this very transparent. Um, it would be more embarrassing for these guys and everything like that to hear, for everyone to hear the ref saying to them, you're faking it, you're soft, get up, like they do in uh, rugby. Uh, but... Yeah, anyway, that's great. We need more of it in MLS. Um, He says, uh, what is it about soccer where you are more likely to see this, whereas in other sports commentaries to the media, I'm thinking about NBA or something like that, uh, they're always so filtered. Coaches only speak about the other team in complimentary manners, like, you know, the – they're very – they're a great team, blah, 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 blah. We're so honored to be on the field with them kind of shit. Um, Keevan, what do you think? Is this a soccer-specific thing or an MLS-specific thing that, that we get some spice like this? I think it's a coach-specific thing. And I just, like, I mean, if you want to go back to, to like, the NBA, uh, Coach Pop isn't, Greg Popovich isn't, a, isn't afraid to call out other coaches. And I think just there, maybe in soccer, there's just more room uh, for, like, I'm just... Like especially like killing off a game, right? You don't see that that often in like the NBA or the NFL, or people will get pissed off in the NFL if they're like pouring points on them or whatever it may be in a blowout. But I don't know. I think just maybe there's soccer. There's just a, a little bit more space for like odd odd things to happen and 
players are able to kind of take advantage of the situation where, all right, I'm going to kill off a game, and if that involves me falling down for a little bit and talking to the referee and not getting up, I'm going to do it. So I think there's just a little bit more leeway in, in, uh, in soccer, and players are smart and coaches are smart, and they're going to take advantage of that, and it's going to piss off other coaches even though their team would certainly do the same thing if they're in that same, the exact same situation. Uh, so maybe that's it. But I don't know. I, I think it still happens in other sports uh, with with coaches calling out other coaches. And, uh, I mean, I know the NBA and NFL has, like, fines and things like that if you if you talk uh, talk against a referee or whatever the case might be. But uh, I don't know. I just think maybe soccer just has a little bit more of a window for kind of not shady, but, you know, professionalism, professional fouls, professional fouls. <laughs> put it all I mean, away. Ba- Baseball has the, like the, all the unwritten rules that, and those like flare up sometimes, right? You get these yeah. guys that are, whatever, flipping their bats or doing this and that, and people get upset about it. Um, this is like a little bit the same way, where like if you're up, you you know that this team is going to waste time. Uh, that's just an unwritten rule of the game. That's going to happen. But yeah, but that's like an unwritten rule of bad behavior instead of like the the the, the norm in soccer is bad behavior. The norm in baseball is like. Don't even celebrate because that's bad behavior. Like yeah, celebrating yeah, yeah. Is, is, is wrong. Um, but I, honestly, I think the reason we see it in soccer, I have a, a theory on this, which is a great theory because it can never be disproven. Um, that's, that's how you want to do it. Um, but it's that because soccer is a global sport or an international sport, uh, there is just like less click. There's less in-group. There's, le- there's more opportunity there's more room for craziness. There's crazy people. There's more room for Marcelo Bielsa's because there's less people controlling the pot, right? Like, he can always find another team that'll take him. And there's, like, less people to write these unwritten rules or, like, if you break the unwritten rules, and you can just go to another country where they, like, they really don't know what the fuck you did. And the culture is less the, homogenous, yeah, right? The, so you can exactly. have this this Argentinian coach who's never met this American coach, and they're playing right. against the unwritten each other. Rules, like, like, I have no idea what the unwritten rules are in Bolivian soccer. But, like, Freddie Adu probably does because he's probably played there. You know, I mean, like, <laughs> Freddie Adu can always get another job. Whereas if MLS was all there was, right, there's one American league, then you just – some of these things just die out. And there would be, like uh, – you wouldn't want to criticize these guys. You wouldn't want to be a jerk because you'd have to get hired. Like you'd have to get hired by them or somebody who was really their buddy and had trained under them and everything like that. Um, so that's why you're not getting like. This way you don't get these beefs at like um, whatever D three Minnesota level is because like those D three Minnesota coaches probably all like. Hi, you know they all were assistants under the same guy. They all have to hire each other. They're gonna for hire their each next other job. and hire each other's assistants, and like everybody's gonna go out for beers later, and like that's it. They're all gonna live in Minnesota the rest of their life. That's just the deal. I like that. Um, I mean, you can fail at you can fail at Chelsea, fail at Manchester United, you can uh, fail at Tottenham, but then just go to Italy. And you're you just good. Go to you're Rome. Yeah. yeah, just go. Yeah, just just go to Rome. <laughs> or fail in Atlanta. And you know what? Just get a national team job. <laughs> yeah, ab- yeah. Frank the Fraud absolutely is the man. There's so this. many examples the of that, of this, of your, uh, of your, of your yeah, comparison. Exactly. I like it. I do. I've got a problem with this Jim Curtin quote. Although I love the whole thing in general, 
there is no just like quotable snippet, right? There's no, I'm a man, I'm 40. There's no, can't wait. There's, There's no, no, they are who we thought they were, right? There's, Hello, it's just, you play to win the game, which by exactly. the way, applies. Like that's exactly what he should have said. He should have said, this is what I, he should have came into that press conference and said, this is what I told Gabriel Heinze on the field. I told him, um, this is a message from my friend Herm Edwards. Hello, you play to win the game. And then he should have just walked off. That'd been phenomenal. It's like a little bit of American culture for him. The only thing Curtin's missing is that we're going to forget about this because exactly. it's not a gif. It's, yeah. it's, there's just no gif in there. There's no yeah. viral moment. Up your yep. game. Up your game. Uh, he also takes, takes a shot at me and says the revs are at the top of the table. I just want to say I never said that the revs uh, would have a bad season. They got Bruce Arena. He's a good MLS manager. I said they are not a talented bunch. I stand by that. They are not a talented bunch. Or not especially talented. They got one player who's good. Um, Dan, I'm going to let you do the uh, Pedro uh, CONCACAF Champions League because there's a bunch of them. And then, you know, we're gonna, you, this is going to be the whole pod we're, we're going to host. So I don't want to host the pod. Okay. All right. All right. So CONCACAF Champions League this week, uh, the one I believe that the first Pedro email is in reaction to, subject line, CCL post-game reaction. Uh, and then it just says, ha with uh, devil smirking emojis. Uh, Club America hosted Timbers, Portland Timbers, uh, on Wednesday evening at the Azteca uh, and won mm, three to one in the end. I handily, think. handily, uh, handily, I would say uh, refereeing a little bit suspect both ways. I'm not going to say that the ref was at fault. It was a high variance refereeing performance. Um <laughs> It was just actually, I think it swung mostly for the timbers. So there was a, a pretty soft penalty given to club America um, when they were up one nil. So they went up two nil, which meant the timbers then had to score two. Uh, it, it was, it was a soft one. The ref gave the timbers one back within like three minutes. Also like even softer, very much a makeup call. That actually helps the Timbers, even though we're down one goal either way. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're way. each one goal closer to winning on away goals then. Um, so in the end, I think the refereeing helped the Timbers uh, at least get to that point. There was a moment in the second half where we just needed one goal and we were through. Couldn't capitalize. Um, you know, Abs- I, like, ter- I like when, when professional refereeing is absolutely men's league like level. You're just like, oh, 100%. You're just like, oh, yeah, that's the makeup call. Good. We got that back. But now we're all good, right? Yeah, Nobody's mad on. anymore. Now we move on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Club America is obviously a better team than Portland Timbers. Uh, for all the reasons that we've talked about before, uh, the Mexican League is better than the MLS. Uh, the money is there. The players are better top to bottom, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the Timbers were okay in this game. I mean, it, it was not like we were amateurs versus professionals. It was two professional teams playing. It's at altitude, blah, blah, blah. It's hard. Uh yeah, Timbers did not go through. Uh, I don't think anyone thought that they were odds on favor to go through. So, uh, you know, it's the performance we expected. So, Pedro, that's fair enough. I'm not upset as a Timbers fan. Uh, I think this ha is really for one Ryan Palmer, who predicted uh, the, this was going to be the year that an MLS team wins the CONCACAF Champions League. So, with one more MLS team out of it, one more Mexican team through, 
uh, that that is looking like a worse and worse prediction. I mean, I'll speak for Palmer. That was a pretty disheartening. Like I don't know if it, it seems like it seemed like it happened all on one night, where just all the MLS teams just completely just eliminated like all at once. So I'll I'll speak for Palmer and give give Pedro his uh, his kudos so he can be happy listening to this pod. But it was that hurt that hurt a little bit. I mean, having that many MLS teams kind of in the last last eight, and you, you'd think at least one would get through beyond the two who play each other, but um, just didn't happen. And I mean, I, I had my hopes up a little bit, so it hurts. So yeah, we wanted one. Enjoy, so Pedro. Club America. Club America in the end, four to two aggregate over the Portland Timbers. Monterey five to two over Columbus Crew. Cruz Azul four one over uh, Toronto. So these were not like, you know, really nail biters, uh, as would be expected, I think. And then the other one we already talked about: Atlanta lost to Philadelphia Union, so the Union are th- into the semifinals against uh, whoever it is. Club America. Three, three American team or three Mexican teams. Yeah. Yeah, Club America is who the Union play. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, the disappointing one for me, if you like, take it to individual results. Timbers is always going to be tough. I think Club America is the toughest team there, probably, especially with the, you know, second leg at Azteca situation. Um, TFC, I think, are not very good um, right now. Um, so you can't say that they should win. Crew were very pretty good last year. Um, and Monterey are not special, right? They're just a, just a team in League MX right now. So uh, that's one you'd hope that uh, MLS could get or really the crew could get and, uh, you know, they did not get close. They got battered in that second leg. So I think that's that's really the disappointment there. And then, you know, of course, if the crew had, had won that, you'd be, what, Cruz Azul, right? Uh, a team steeped in failure uh, against crew. And then Union against Club America, you'd probably end up with, you know, MLS versus uh, Mexico in the final. And, you know, MLS would probably lose that. But... You know, at least it'd be more of a competition. Whereas right now, it looks the Union are got to be heavy underdogs um, against Club America, and even if they win that, they'd have to win another one. So I think we can almost put Palmer's prediction to bed, but he's he can hang out with a sliver of hope. He's on with a thread. Smallest, yeah. smallest sliver of hope. Yeah, the swing right goes from five MLS teams in the quarterfinals and three Mexican teams to one and three. Uh, so Mexican teams just stomping their way through and making really a mockery out of uh, out of those five teams. I, mean, it, I feel like they like even after the first leg, I, I was still feeling like not down, but like they had shot, they had a chance. I mean, I mean some of those some first, draws. yeah, those first legs like were some late goals that I mean were bad late goals that uh, MLS teams were letting in. But like off the first leg, you're like, all right, I mean they could still make it happen, and then just shut down not even close not great uh so the second email from pedro is a meme with a whole bunch of world leaders uh picture taken in i don't know 1992 or something original george bush uh i think reagan's in there i I have no idea who all these guys are a bunch of old white dudes in ties just cracking up over their little uh gymlets or whatever those fancy drinks are uh, and the meme says, and then he said, this was going to be the MLS year. So, uh, yep, nope. Pedro, fair play. Keep them coming. We take it. It's fair. Keep them coming. 
Yeah, that's Palmer is in the background of that picture with his white wine. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yep. Uh, and then the third Pedro email. Actually, this is this one I really love, Pedro. Thanks for bringing it to my attention. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It's the fourth Pedro email that I'm going to make that comment for. The third Pedro email uh, says, U.S. men's national team fans want to boycott the Qatar World Cup. Uh, Colin, what's this about? Is it realistic? Will it accomplish anything? I think the oh, com- I mean, it's... I think the comment is what he's calling out. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then he that that is a link to uh, uh, a Reddit thread, which I think is what you're going for, which is uh, then somebody says, "Good thing, good thing, uh, the team was already planning on boycotting the World Cup by not qualifying." And then somebody replies to that by saying, "I mean, we sat out Russia because the LGBTQ uh, human rights violations, right? 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 All right." Yep, missed that one. Uh, so that's a great, that's a great He's link, Pedro. Missed the, it. Twisting the knife. Yeah, absolutely. I like it. Bring absolutely. it. Bring it. Um, yeah. Just, so moving on to the fourth. Just email. like, just like those Minnesota fans, like we, we we can't be soft here. If you want, if you want to stop having Mexico fans take the shots at you like this, uh, win soccer games. That's the. That's, right. that's how you stop this from happening. That's excellent. Uh, and then the thing that, uh, Pedro, actually, thank you for bringing it to my attention because I hadn't seen it before that uh, Columbus Crew SC has filed trademark claims uh, for Columbus SC, suggesting that they're going to drop the uh, crew from their brand. Uh, there was also leaked after this, uh, maybe today, um, a potential crest for a, Colum- a new Columbus crest, uh, which is just a C, kind of like a stylized C. It's just a C. It's, it's really dumb. It's, I mean, the crew, yes, it's like this original MLS thing. It's kind of funny in the same way that, like, you know, the Wiz and the Revolution and all of this, the Dallas Burn. But, like, there's now history to that. That's, that's whatever it is, 25 years old. Uh, and they, Columbus is they're good. all about they, like their branding is like crew 96. Like they're, you know, they they love to like, that's their, like, uh, I mean, it's like MLS, these MLS teams being Euro, uh, stealing stuff from Europe, like Hanover, whatever, uh, Hanover are 98 or 96, I think. 96. 96 yeah. Maybe they're 96. Yeah. 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 But whatever they're using the, just a hundred years different. Yeah. Using the, the year in their name thing is been like the crew's. Uh, unique thing in MLS. Nobody else does that, I think. Um, so it's just whack that to, for them to be like trying to rebrand. Do you think it's just and like, it's like not a bad brand? Their crest wasn't bad. Sorry. Keep no, it. go ahead. No, you continue, Rand. I'm I'm gonna play right that off. Was of it. It like, there was nothing. Yeah, there was they, nothing that said they needed a rebrand. They this brand was fine. The they just redid the crest. Like I don't know, four years ago, maybe something like that. Because uh, they had the got guys, rid of the construction with, workers. They yeah. had the construction workers for like twenty years, and then they've got the now they have the circle that's just like a very Euro, like with the yellow and black patches, and like it's kind of like quad, four quadrants within a circle thing. Which, uh, yeah, I mean, is that more visually appealing than the construction workers? Absolutely. Like it is just definitely more classic. And is it? I, I I like the construction workers a lot because they're weird and like MLS, but like objectively speaking, the crew's current 
crest is a nice crest. Yeah, and this that's new fair. one is hot garbage. So like whether you want to re what whether you want to keep the crew name heritage MLS thing or not, like you're just replacing something good with something bad in this case, I think, like from a visual perspective. Um, so yeah, I hate it. I hate it on so many levels. Yeah, just lean in, like you should be leaning into like you're a founding team of the MLS. Like you have this history and I don't know, maybe it's just they see this like wave of rebranding from other teams in the MLS and think we need to jump on this train as like my only maybe thought of why they're doing this, but it just it just makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah, and except the, it's a wave of teams stepping on rakes. Like every team that's tried to do it recently yeah, has been fire? universally panned. Oh, fire Olympic, is so bad. Not yeah. Olympic. Montreal, right? Montreal, like, yeah. Nobody's got good press out of trying to rebrand recently. So what are the crew thinking? Well, I mean, what they're thinking is the ownership is different than the last rebrand, and they are walking into a new stadium. So they're like, okay, let's be a new team. Like the way um, the Kansas City, I can't remember, they were the Wizards, I think, at the, the time. The Wiz and now the, Became yeah. Sporting Kansas City. Like, team didn't move. They just went new identity into their new stadium, new fans. And it's, I mean, quite frankly, it's been completely different experience for Kansas City soccer since then. So that one worked. I'm not saying it can't work, but it sucks. But they also, I mean, they also just had this battle for the team save where the, the entire thing was called Save the Crew. It wasn't called Save Columbus. It wasn't, it was Save the Crew. Like, this team is the crew. Yeah, I mean. This, this is so bad. I'm sure that they're going to try to, like, the spin here, especially after all the online reaction is going to be exactly what we're saying, is going to be like, oh, we're going to be called Columbus SC, but, like, in the same way that Orlando City SC are just whatever, that's their name, but they're the Lions. And Minnesota United are Minnesota United, but they're the Loons. Like, we're still going to be the crew. We're still going to use those construction guys in our third logo. Here's our third logo or whatever, you know, some shit like that. But I, I, don't, like, I don't like it at all. I mean, it had to have come maybe from the top down, like you said. Like, okay, I'm, I'm the new, we're new owners. This is, let's just... We're going to redo everything. Yeah, but probably. It's like, probably. It's like, and then like they hired guys, some clowns to do it. Yeah, but you have this this movement that like miraculously saves a team, and I feel like just taking a new logo and rebranding is just like completely poo-pooing so, that, like just yeah, yeah. shitting all over it, which is just yeah. idiotic. Yeah. And there, the supporter group came out today and said, uh, nobody told us about this because it's going to get released. Apparently it's going to get released Monday or Tuesday. Um, and they said, no one's talked to us about it yet. We were not involved in the design process. We were not involved in the concept generation, whatever, anything. So it's, and they, it's not going to go well. And like, even the like, history of being like an original MLS team, like, the crew has, like, are successful on the field, too, like, beyond just last year. Like, they've had other good years and, like, um, famous alumni players and, you know. The First soccer-specific stadium. They're yeah, like a, yeah, a they real a, MLS success story. So yeah, so this like re trying to rewrite it is just again just a, well, another reason why it's just so dumb. And thank you, fans. Fans are getting a voice. I love it. I mean, tell them it's stupid. Make them not do it. Well, yeah, I we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. The Chicago Fire still are rocking that terrible logo, so it takes a little while for these things to unwind, even when teams know they fucked up. Well, I'll cross my fingers. You got me. It, 
suggesting that the crew were generally successful, you got me worried that they had actually won something with Greg Burhalter after I said earlier that they never really did anything except like be fine. They made uh, some MLS Cup final at least, right? No, not while Burhalter was there. Really? What, the one yeah. when they lost to the Timbers? Oh, Burhalter runner up, there? 2015. Yeah, they yeah. made one. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that's the Steve Clark so, game, baby. Steve Steve Clark would be my favorite goalkeeper in uh, the league, except that it turns out uh, Ochoa at Salt Lake is now more entertaining. Steve Clark, step up your entertainment. <laughs> Ochoa is better. Uh, those are the Pedro emails. Pedro, keep them coming. Keep them coming. Uh, anybody else feel like sending us emails with nothing in them except the links? That'd be fine. Go ahead and do that. We, we love it. Um, soccerthread at gmail.com. That's where you can do it. We're on Twitter at soccerthread where you can see our new logo. Uh, Raymond Orozco DM'd us this week in, in lieu of emailing us. I'll just say uh, Mike is not as good at copy pasting our Twitter DMs. So that's why we're not reading it out. I read it. I liked your email. Thanks for emailing. It was about CONCACAF Champions League, if I remember correctly. We talked about that already. Uh, but just give us, get back on the emails. Yeah, it's, it's a better, uh, more likely way to get, end up on the run order for sure. Um, other big thing going on this week is the, um, the amateur, not amateur, but second level Champions League, um, the one they play over in Europe. Two Americans into this Champions League final this week. Uh, the the one that's seeing the field in the Champions League, of course, is uh, Christian Pulisic for Chelsea. Uh, came on as a sub in the second leg game and provided a nice assist to kind of wrap it up against uh, Manchester City, right? This club that's been chasing a Champions League no, since Pep not, showed up. Not against Manchester City. Oh, you mean against in the final. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Going through to Manchester City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was very confusing and poorly put together. That's what I get for going off run order and doming it. My bad, folks. Uh, Manchester City are through. I'm sorry. Chelsea beat Real Madrid. Pulisic with the assist that wraps it up. Uh, so, Keevan, how do we feel about this? Real Madrid, are they uh, falling off? Is this disappointing for them? Pulisic, is he coming up? Is he? I mean, just tell me everything you want to say. Well, I think we'll start with Pulisic in that, I mean, goal in the first leg, setting up a, the the clincher in the second. Uh, he's right. not, yeah, he's not just um, on the team. You know, I, I mean, there was a time when, uh, I don't know, if it was DeMarcus Beasley or whatever it was with PSV. Um, I mean, he was on the team. He, he, he was maybe saw the field a little bit, but like Pulisic is one of the best. I mean, if he's, and his prime, or he's playing well, he can be the best player on the field. So um, we've touched on, I've touched on this, you guys have touched on this, just how exciting it is. But seeing him do it in a semifinal two-leg mat, like two-leg affair beyond just one game and having like a, a very much a say against, I think Real Madrid are, are definitely a down year, but they're still, they Champions League is what they focus on, and they've had in a Champions, Champions League semifinal. Yeah, yeah. Semi, so, Champions League semifinal in the down year. Yeah, so um, again, I, I don't think Real Madrid is, is what they were, but to see him do that and just it's ah, it makes me so happy. Yeah, I mean, I think I said on our email thread that uh, I, you have to give him man of the semifinal award 
Like he's not the, maybe the man of the match in the second game. Uh, I don't know if he was or not in the first. I would have given it to him. But I think Conte was uh, the second. Yeah, but uh, he's de- across two legs. He's got to be the the most influential player, um, and that's pretty fucking phenomenal for to have an American be, you know, the reason or the dominant force or the driving force, however you want to say it, for a, you know, otherwise you know, not having that great of a season Chelsea team to be lifted into a Champions League final. Like the guy doing the lifting or one of the, you know, guys doing a lot of lifting as an American is, is, is phenomenal. Phenomenal. And a goal and an assist in the, the two leg match, right? Like it's, yeah, it's absolutely great. Um, after the game interview with him, I'm sure you guys saw this uh, interviewer asked him, if he was upset to be a substitute and his reply, I'm not going to get this exactly right, but was basically, uh, yeah, I'm not happy. That was frustrating. I feel like I have to continue proving myself over and over again. Almost a, like not quite publicly mm, suggesting that Tuchel isn't uh, getting it right, but like pretty on that line of publicly questioning the manager's decisions. Um, Kevin, do you like that? Or is that, a, you know, is there room in the world of soccer for that type of thing? Or would you prefer he kind of towed the line and worked his way internal and tried to get in the good graces and et cetera, et cetera, no, et cetera? keep doing it. I mean, at, since he's he's been at Chelsea, this has always been an issue, right? Lampard took him forever to, to see see the field. And even and then even during, like, the the project restart when he was like literally you could make an argument for that restart that he was the best player in 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 terms of form in the entire league and that was the only reason why Lampard was was putting him on the field and even at that time Lampard was bringing him off the bench a couple times which didn't make sense so I think it's just like I think he's been there long enough and he's yeah he's tired of it do your thing yeah call it out I mean I'm he's He's had some injury scares, but like when he's on the field, he is, he can be, he changes games. He changes two legs affairs. He gets you in the Champions League final. So, I mean, if, if you, if you're backing it up on the field then yeah, go to the microphone and talk about it, do it. Yeah. I'm all for it. Yeah. And I I think right now this is so, again, so weird as an American soccer fan to be saying this about an, an American, but like, uh, that he's the one who provides that little something special. Like, they have a bunch of guys, um, Timo Werner, um, Ziyech, Mason Mount. Those are all good players. I mean, Timo Werner gets a lot of shit right now. But those are all good players, but they're kind of, uh, you know, more of system-type players or, like, guys who, you know, work very hard and, uh, you know, make the plays they should make kind of. Whereas Christian Pulisic is, you know, especially with the ball at his feet, like world-class dribbler. And that can just, you know, fuck over a defense with um, his ability to, like, beat two guys with one move. And that's something special. Like, it's, that's, that's so unique at that level that it, it can – it's what changes games. And uh, I, they just – there's just not a lot of guys who have that quality in, in world, world soccer. Like – he has a lot of other things about him that are not that great. Like, he's injured all the time. Um, 
But this quality he has, he's he is legitimately one of the best dribblers of the soccer ball in the world, and that is a and, very important skill. And not only, I mean, yes, but he's also recognized as that by everybody else, and you can tell because of the respect they give him. Both of his goal and his assist, he ends up kind of faced up with uh, Courtois, the Real Madrid goalkeeper, who, like, doesn't come out, right? The defenders are standing off, and it's the situation where, like, if I have the ball in men's league, nobody respects that I can dribble because I can't. So they just come take the ball from me, right? <laughs> they don't. They don't back off and back off they, and back they off. Go they ahead just and put come in and tackle. They're like, yeah. They I'll just. Put him in tackle they just come one. and take the ball off my feet because yeah. there's no respect for my ability, which is the correct amount of respect for my ability. But Pulisic at in a Champions League quarterfinal, uh, semifinal against Real Madrid. Has guys backing off. Have yeah. guys has guys they scared to get yeah. nutmegged, yeah. scared to run around, yeah. scared to get posterized. Right? Like he's he's not only this fun, exciting American, but Real Madrid is scared of him. It's amazing. It is amazing. It is amazing. So yeah, but like, and he comes off the bench sometimes, and he and he's like still like I've said it before. He, he had to fight with Lampard. Now he fights with Tuchel, who came in and like. And you'd think Tuchel, who knows him from his history, but yet he still has to prove himself. So it's just, it's weird. It's weird. I don't get it. Yeah. But I mean, I'm not smart enough to figure this out. Keevan, I think you're like the most uh, well-educated from a tactics or managerial standpoint on this this, uh, podcast. But uh, it does strike me that like uh, his world-class skill is dribbling, right? That's probably something that right now in the game is not very heavily valued compared to, like, historically, you know, how much it might have been valued. Like, the game is very fast right now. It's very frenetic, um, pressing, uh, moving the ball very quickly, uh, you know, not taking 11 touches, right? Which is what Christian Pulisic does great. Um, and so, like, is, first of all, like, maybe that's a bummer for him or whatever, like, in the early 2000s, like, he would have been phenomenal uh, or, like, even better, whatever. But uh, also, it makes me wonder, like, has, have we seen him in the right system for him? You know, it, it, is there another manager out there who plays in a way where he would, where Christian Pulisic would fit in better? Um, is, you know, like... I don't think he would fit in very well, for instance, at Liverpool, right, where everything is like quickly move the ball, you know, gag and press, whatever, that kind of stuff. Um, would he work better at some place like City where they have a lot of the ball and they go against teams that are bunkered in and you need someone to break them down and he could, you know, break that guys that, down. That, with that also dribble. doesn't end up having space for it to break, to run into. Yeah, to run maybe through, that's why right? I'm saying. So I need like, Keevan to, to interpret it for me. Like I, I, you know, it's one of these things where you're like, it's broken, but I don't know how to fix it. Yeah. I think, I think you're on the right path there. I think Lampard didn't really have a plan. Tuchel is like very defensive, especially just the, the current team that he, that not even the current team, the current situation he was thrown in where he's like, you need to get points and you need to get them fast. So I'm just going to bunker down and squeak out 1-0 wins or 2-1 two, two wins. And, yeah, I think you're right. Where, like, Pulsic is he's the type of player where he's in it, he needs to take chances, right? And he, he's not going to dribble around everyone every time. But he's going to have that one moment where he, he can do it. And I just don't think maybe that's why he's not seeing the field as much for Tuchel, where Tuchel doesn't want those risks to be, t- 
to be taken. He wants, he needs to just like a header goal or a, a, a quick, like a just kind of slash and run. If you know, if you know what I mean. Yeah, like, I, he needs to uh, take advantage of an opponent's mistake. Yeah, exactly. We, now we score and then we're done. And maybe that, yeah, but so, then like it's zero zero, so that's why he's throwing him in at the end, or like it's a one zero game, and that's why he throws him in at the end because he needs something at that point. Maybe that that's my only line of thinking. I can. I, don't, I can't tell you a different system maybe that he'd fit into well enough well just because I don't know that's that's a tough that's a tough question and I don't make get paid millions of dollars to uh to manage it, yeah <laughs> not with that attitude I'm not you're leaking you, our contract details yeah please. I'm not <laughs> leaving putting you on my uh list of managers that I'm agent for I mean I'm, I'm just I'm just gonna be job. a homer and I'm gonna tell him I throw him on the on the left side opposite of Rafinha and, and Leeds and let him play. So you know, if you had to tell That's me what, what I was going to say, <laughs> Leeds, like get him out on the run. I, you know, Leeds isn't the status of team that he did belongs at, but um, you know, it's direct, it's running, it it puts him in space. Something like that would be a lot of fun to see him just run and gun. And I think yeah, I mean, I don't know. Leicester too, I think is another one. I think you guys, yeah, yeah Leicester is the one that we've talked about. Yeah, and said that it would actually be a good fit because like Leeds. Uh, who knows if he can run as much as Jack Harrison runs uh, for Leeds? Like the opportunities that Jack Harrison gets to go at people, and like Jack Harrison has been very successful and is not a bad player, but like that system makes him look so good. If, if Jack Harrison gets a move away from Leeds, he's gonna suddenly become terrible. Like Danny Drinkwater. Yeah, he's gonna Danny Drinkwater. Absolutely. Yeah, but to go back to Lester, um, like I don't know, like a Harvey Barnes kind of is a little kind of Pulisecki like where he, he dribbles at someone and it takes chances in the offensive third so I mean having him and so I think that that might be a good like kind of square peg kind of situation where you see Harvey Barnes is when he's healthy he's being successful so I think you guys are kind of on the right path there. Kevin it sounds to me like you're saying that you do not expect him to start in a, a Champions League final oh. where you know, finals tend to be pretty tight, pretty cagey, kind of defensive. Nobody wants to make the mistake. Uh, he might be the man of the match, but it, it sounds like you're telling me he's not the kind of guy that Tuchel is going to start the game with. Yeah, that's probably right. And I, yeah, Tuchel's a he's a weird guy. <laughs> he's like he, he's just like <laughs> you know him personally. Just, you're like, yeah, he's a weird guy. No, but I just feel a like a bit of a weirdo. Like he. Like, he's going to do something. He just has that, like, mentality where he's just going to try to do something, like, different for a final. I don't know why. Like, I don't know. I just don't see him. I see him, like, the pressure getting to him for some reason. I don't know. That's just maybe just because of his history um, that he's had beyond just last year with PSG. I think he's always kind of had, like, a um, doesn't live up to the big game. So we'll see. I mean, Tinkering with the final, overthinking of it, a good segue to the other team that made it through. Uh, Pep Guardiola's Manchester City. Pep loves an overthink. Uh, I think it'll be very interesting to see what happens, what he rolls out in this final. But um, Going to have plenty the, of time to think about it, too. With uh, They're going to wrap up the league here. You know, They quite, haven't quite done it, but they're gonna, this, this final we're talking about is in three weeks. So he's plenty of time to... to have that be and the only of, thing he's thinking about every night. Plenty of tape, right? They played in the FA Cup and lost to Chelsea. They played this midweek, lost to Chelsea. Uh, so Pep, Pep's got plenty of tape. Yeah, he'll be 
he'll be moving his X's and O's around trying to figure out how to exploit it all. Um, in that sense, maybe Tuchel, uh, you know, changing things up. Well, so let's, we'll come back to Chelsea and, or PSG maybe is the team we really want to talk about, not Chelsea. Maybe PSG is the team we really want to talk about in the other semifinal. But uh, Chelsea and City did play in the midweek. Uh, Chelsea won. They also beat City in the FA Cup. Uh, this midweek, City had more expected goals. Chelsea still won the game 2-1. to one. Uh, Maybe a mental edge. Tuchel, good results over Pep and City. Keevan, does any of this matter? I think it matters. I think you're right. I think it's, it's mental. And th- but this is coming from a gambling brain where I think home, <laughs> home field advantage means something. Or if a team plays poorly the week before, they're going to be uh, rearing to, to play better the next week. So this is from a, coming from We're a like, gambling brain. It's, it's on a Saturday night. This team doesn't play well on Saturday nights. They only play well on Sunday nights. Yeah. I th- I, that, I, so I'm, I'm taking it as, as a mental win for Chelsea. I mean, I think it's better than losing. So if they lost, is better they than don't losing. have that mental yeah. edge. So I think, yeah, I'll take it. I don't even know who right. I want to win, uh, but we'll see. PSG was the losers against Manchester City. Uh, 4-1, Manchester City went through on aggregate. 2-1 and 2-0, first leg, second leg. Um, you know, as things go, fairly comfortable. Second leg surely never looked too uh, too scary. I think, Colin, you're certainly a bit of a Neymar. Uh, I don't know if you hate him, but uh, you don't think he's worth the hype. I don't know if that extends totally to include all of PSG, uh, but but give me your thoughts on PSG's failure here. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think my feelings on Neymar, he's not worth the price that they paid for him. He's a very, very good soccer player. Um, you know, they were missing Mbappe in this one, and... Uh, that that made things very that makes them a little bit too predictable i think you know they're kind of made made to be a two-headed monster and when they become a one-headed monster it's like you know where it's coming from and there's just too much quality with city um they're used to playing big games you know i i think that um psg are just not that good this year like they're not winning league or maybe they are now but I'm actually not sure, but you know, there's competition for it. They should be running away with that league, you know, on a, from a talent or financial perspective. Um, Pochettino, I think, you know, will be able to, uh, you know, build things there. Uh, if he's given the resources and obviously Mbappe, if he stays there, like, I think he can still be, you know, one of the top five players in the world for the next 10 years. So, I'm not saying that PSG will always will never make a final, will never win a Champions League, will never whatever succeed to the degree that they should succeed or whatever. But um, you know, you can't just expect Pochettino to come in and just win every game and change everything immediately. That's that's silly. So I don't think that that's like that matchup to me was not at all surprising. Right? You you would have favored City, and they they won. There you go. So on to the final. Uh, the other thing of note about City, obviously, is um, Zach Steffen is their backup goalkeeper. Very solidly second uh, string. So we'll be on the bench uh, for this final. But did play, very importantly, played a game in the knockout stages. I think the dead rubber at the end of the group stage. Yeah, Marseille. Uh, sorry, 
not the knockout stages, in the group stage, dead rubber against Marseille. Uh, so has minutes, really no no question about if City win, whether or not he ends up with a medal or if he's officially considered a Champions League winner. He will be. Uh, so you either got City with Christian Pulisic, Man, I'm struggling. Chelsea with Christian Pulisic. City uh, with Zach Steffen. We will have an American Champions League winner this year, uh, which is cool. Like, we've got, you know, we were saying last week, trout on bigger and bigger teams spread across a good map of Europe. Um, This will not, of course, be the first American to ever win the Champions League. Uh, Colin, with some knowledge this week on the text thread, uh, who is the first? Yeah, this came up in in some kind of warm-up we did. That's how I knew it, but... uh, uh, Joe Van Kirovsky, uh was a bench player for Borussia Dortmund in 96-97, I believe. I didn't write that part down. But uh, when they won the Champions League. Uh, and then he went on to a career basically in MLS uh, for the Galaxy. Um, so I think he uh, maybe appeared in his sub roles like a couple times in, in the group stage or, or something like that. Didn't play in the final. Uh, but he got a medal. And he's the only American to win the Champions League. And I think he's now like a, he's, he's like a, a guy who's, uh, like when I talk about the, um, uh, you, you know, uh, managers can be more wild because it's not like there's just one click. He's definitely in the MLS click. I think he's been an assistant uh, coach in, in MLS if, if he's not right now. So uh, a name we maybe we, sh- we overlook in the history of uh, American soccer technical director today at Los Angeles Galaxy. 62 caps for the U.S. men's national there team over a 10-year period from 94 to 2004. Uh, it certainly feels like a name I should be more familiar with given his uh, resume, but absolutely not a not the first name. And certainly the fact that he's won a Champions League is feels like a bit of trivia I should know, and it was not. So there you go, folks. Karofsky. Um. The final is supposed to be in Turkey. You guys want to talk about uh, international politics and geopolitical relations and uh, the global pandemic, or should we let that go? Uh, we'll just say that this m- might get moved to Wembley. It might get moved to England. It might get moved to Portugal, maybe. Uh, who knows? There are, f- there are forces at play. I th- the, the idea that it'd be at Villa Park, I think, is kind of cool. Just like not a... A Premier League like stadium, but not necessarily Wembley. I think just adds a little bit more like unique uniqueness to it. I think that'd be kind of interesting. Although I guess I fans can't anything. be there, but whatever. Yeah, I saw that Aston Villa offered, which I love. Uh, you know, everyone should Morecambe should be offering. Obviously, like <laughs> come on, we'll host it. Come on over. No, I mean I think uh, the I, I think Keith, I think the whole idea is that there will be fans. I, I don't think they're going to move it if there's no fans. Um, it, the UK is doing better with doing actually fairly well with vaccination rates right now. You know, they have socialized medicine. What do you, it's better there. In the, uh, so anyway, uh, that's working. Weird. Uh, but We're not getting into political th- talk, Colin. Sorry. Science uh, is political talk. Sorry. There, so, the, you know, therefore, uh, there's this there's a better timeline for getting folks back into the stadium. Maybe not full stadiums, but, you know, you can get your dignitaries in there, and that's really what matters. Um, not the real fans. And uh, so they want, obviously, Champions League wants, or UEFA wants that to happen. Harder to do in Turkey because Turkey just uh, imposed new lockdowns. So that's the whole thing, really. 
And it's both English teams, so it kind of makes yeah. sense to not make everybody travel and, you know, blah, 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 blah. But uh, anyway, will be interesting to see what happens there. I think a smaller stadium outside of Wembley. Don't always just go to Wembley. I think something new would be, would be cool. Especially for something that's not tied to, like, uh, the FA, right? Like, it doesn't have to be at Wembley because it's not the FA Cup. It's not the Three Lions, the national team. Like, it, often the Champions League final goes to stadia that are not, um, I don't know, the specific the crown national jewel team or whatever. stadium, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, then uh, It would be cool. Yeah, I mean, and I think it, that means, like, I guess this is just, come, again, coming from a Leeds fan, but, like, the Leeds Twitter will always tweet out, like, on this date, it, like three lions played at Ellen Road. Like it's like a big thing for them when like a, a you know, a, a something important happens at their stadium that they got the host. So I think that just you know it might mean a little bit more for a smaller club team too, rather than just going to Webley. Be cool. Uh, that's the run order. What else? Anything uh, we failed to cover? It's a great week in soccer. It's a good week. Good week. Uh, more good week coming. We've got. There are men's national team games coming up. The, as the European season winds down, we get to look at rosters. I'm excited for that. Um, I'm sure we'll talk more Champions League final, uh, season wrap-ups. Got some summer tournaments. There's uh, Nations League stuff. There's uh, the Gold Cup. There's It's exciting time to be a, I mean, a podcast. When you started with summer, I thought you were going to say summer transfer rumors because we've already had those flying. Also. Weston McKenney is already leaving Juve. We know, we know that. So, Portland Thorns, Challenge Cup champions. Oh, oh. seventh round uh, penalty kicks. Absolutely wonderful stuff. AD French with a big save, and then Weaver cleans it up. Uh, you know, preseason tournaments, they're fun. Portland's good at them. Yeah. We need to get, we need to get Palmer back uh, on this podcast so we can get a. NWSL corner going. That's true. Need it. All right, guys. Uh, that's all I got. Thanks, Cliff. Thanks, Cliff. Thanks, Cliff. Thanks for having me. Cheers, boys. <laughs> Just filled up a uh, uh, filled up a Nalgene full of beer. <laughs> Get your full yeah. sixty-four ounces, or whatever. This it is, is a thirty-two. No, this, this is a uh, uh, Peter Sorensen. It's just Mountain Dew and vodka in there. <laughs> Uh, nice bullfrog or whatever it is. <laughs>